Welcome to the New Beginnings Fellowship Podcast. Wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged by today's message. Hey, everybody, good morning. How the heck are y'all doing this morning? There we go. Got one. Appreciate it. Well, um, I'm seeing a lot of red today, and it makes me want to throw up. Uh, and so I am looking forward to watching this game. Uh, and people are like, yo, Rich, so, you know, who do you want to win? It's not that who I want to win. Uh, Cowboys. <laughs> um, I just want the Chiefs to lose today. So I'll just let y'all know, if the Chiefs lose, just know, if you show up on Sunday, next Sunday, you're going to hear it from me. So there's probably a good time to take a... <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> that was not planned, I promise you. <laughs> oh, so. If you are a talented musician and you love God, as a matter of fact, you ain't even got to love God. If you can hold a tune, all right, you can be our new worship pastor because our position just got open. <laughs> Holla at you, Chad. It's nice knowing you, sucker. Yo, so, let's <laughs> get That picture is hilarious. All right, so, oh, my staff's a bunch of idiots. We are welcome. If you all know me, what's cracking? My name is Richard. I am the pastor here at this amazing church, New Beginning Fellowship, where we radically love, serve, and encourage. Um, I was having a conversation with, uh, um, with my buddy earlier this week, <clears throat> and, and, you know, he's a guy, he's a big guy about getting your affairs in order, and I don't like talking about, you know, my will and stuff like that, but he kind of sat me down and forced me to talk about it, so lined out my will, and he's like, all right, Richard, now it's time for you to sign up for a 401k. And I was really nervous about that because I've never ran that far before. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Ryan did a, such a phenomenal job last, uh, last sermon with really teeing up our sermon on Philippians. I absolutely love this book. If you have a chance, uh, no, you're gonna, you always will have a chance to read God's, God's Word. Go and read Philippians. Phenomenal, phenomenal book, all right? And so we're going to be in Philippians for the next, I'll say about 10 weeks or so. It's going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal series, y'all. And again, so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. We're just going to go over verses 12 through 14. Once again, Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. We have it on the screen, and it reads, I want you to know, brothers, now, this is Paul telling this to the saints in Philippi. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> 
Catholic. Let's pray. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for my community. Father, um, it's beautiful that I could, I can just consider this place my home because it's the people that make this my home. God, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. I radically love, serves, and encourages, Father. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive us for our sins. God, we pray that we would be the church that does exactly what you want us to do, what you want us to do, Father. I pray, Father, that... Um, that we would just be bold in our faith. We're not ashamed of the gospel, Father. We're not ashamed um, to be your disciples, Father, that we will show the world that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. God, we can't get to you without you, so we pray for more of you. Pray that we will hear your word, understand it, apply it, and reteach it. We pray that we will fill the great commission making disciples. And I pray, Father, that we will just have the mindset that church is not what we go to, but who we are. Wherever we go, we're the church, God. And I pray, Father, that outside of these walls, we would do miraculous things and be mobilized within these walls. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all, so again, with this verse, Paul is writing to the saints in Philippi, and he's writing to them, telling them that his current situation is a good thing because it's being used to advance the gospel. Now, hear this. For Paul to drive in the point that his situation is a good thing points us to the fact that the saints reading this letter thought otherwise. They thought that Paul's circumstances would in fact hinder spreading God's word, which is most important, which is the most important goal for them. But Paul was like, no, 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 no. I know that you think that this is a bad thing, what's happening to me, but God put his thing down, flipped it, and reversed it. You see what I did there? This is actually a good thing. Now, that leads us to the question, what actually happened to Paul? What event or series of events happened to make Paul write this letter to ease the hearts of the saints in Philippi? Because, again, that's what he was doing. Not only was he encouraging them, but he was easing their hearts because they're distressed and they're worried that their main goal was hindered. And, again, their main goal was to advance the gospel. They thought that, like, oh, my goodness, the gospel is going to stop here. Paul was like, no, that's not the case. So, again... It leads us to the question, what happened? What event or series of events happened to make the saints feel that way? Now, to answer that question, you need to read Acts chapter 21 through 27. Now, we're not going to read all that word from word, but it will help you get a better base, a better understanding of Philippi, of, of Philippians, if you go read that thing. So, if the more you're here and the more you're going to be going through the series in uh, Philippians, read Acts, specifically Acts chapter 21 through 28. Now, let me give you a summary about what happened. Oh, actually, before I give you a summary, summary what happened, keep this in mind. Paul wanted to go to Rome. He longed to go from Rome to Rome. Couldn't wait to get there to encourage the saints in Rome, to establish the church, to encourage them, to kind of figure out what they were, what they were struggling with, how to radically love, serve, and encourage them. 
But for some reason, God was like, yo, I don't want you to go there. Just wait. Just wait. Now, Paul wanted to go there for the right reasons, but God was like, nope, don't go, don't go, don't go. And so being obedient to God, Paul went elsewhere, but he still longed to go to Rome. Remember that, everybody. Now, Acts chapter 21 through 28, it begins with Paul's bogus and illegal arrest in Jerusalem. Now, Ryan, again, phenomenal job last week talking about Philippians, kind of giving us that history of it. Paul, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul, Ryan remind us that God told Paul that he was going to be an instrument to, to, to lead the Gentiles to Christ. Huge thing because there was a huge feud between the Jews and the Gentiles, right? The Jews hated the Gentiles. I'm talking generational racism there. They hated one another. And God said, I'm going to use big homie Paul to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what Paul did. Preach the gospel to the Gentiles, many of these Gentiles being saved, and generational curses are being broken, and first-generation Jews are hanging out with first-generation Gentiles. Something new was happening, amazing things happening, right? Paul was communicating to the Gentiles, like, yo, you are just important as a Jew, and he was communicating to the Jews. The Gentiles are just as important as you. God died for us all. We're all brothers and sisters. Beautiful things are happening. Now, there were so many Jews that still thought that <coughs> they, the um, Gentiles were second-class citizens. If heaven had a ghetto, the Jews would put the Gentiles right there. They hated the Gentiles. They thought they were second-class citizens. Now, let's fast forward to the, uh, let's go to the temple. The Gentiles were not allowed inside of God's temple. O outside of the temple, they had this thing called, the, this area called the court of Gentiles. If the Gentiles were to worship God, they would have to worship God outside of that temple in that area. And if a Gentile went inside of there, they would be killed. They would say that they were desecrating the temple, disrespecting it, and they would be killed. If a Jew brought a Gentile inside of the, of, of the temple, then they would both will be killed. Now, again, Paul is now a friend of the Gentiles, and now Paul is in the temple. Now, at this time, Paul did not bring a Gentile inside of the temple. Paul was like, baby steps, we got to work on this stuff. But Paul is inside of the temple, and the Jews that did not like Paul and didn't like, didn't like what Paul was doing, they created a ruckus. And they looked at him, they're like, oh, yeah, you know what? There's enough people on my side right now. Let's really mess up Paul. So these Gentiles, they got together, and they accused Paul really loudly. They accused Paul within, uh, inside of the uh, temple that Paul was bringing Gentiles inside of the temple. And so an angry mob was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Paul is disrespecting the temple like this. So they got all of the, they, so all of the people, angry mob came out, riot was happening, took Paul, brought him outside of the temple, outside of the gates, and they beat Paul, and they was trying to kill him. But then all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, and then all of a sudden, uh, these Roman soldiers start showing up, and they arrest Paul. Now, that actually saved this life, but they arrested Paul, falsely, uh, falsely arresting him underneath the grounds of inciting the riot, uh, a riot and disrespecting the temple, and they threw him in jail. The people wanted to see Paul die, 
hear this, but Paul's Roman citizenship required the Roman officials to carefully follow the law and to provide him a fair trial. Y'all keep that in mind. That's huge. So let's fast forward here. So the Roman guard transported Paul from Jerusalem to Caesarea uh, uh, for Paul's fair trial. But here's the kicker. Paul didn't do anything wrong whatsoever. He never brought a Gentile in the uh, court. He followed all of the laws according to Roman law, every single one of them. During Paul's trials, during Paul's case, they couldn't find, they couldn't find him guilty of anything. So it's, but instead of letting him go, they just kept him in jail. They kept him in jail in Caesarea for two years, two years. And now, after two years, Paul is like, you know what? Enough is enough. I am going to exercise my right as a Roman citizen so to, to plead my case in front of Caesar. So he ex- exercises that right. So they remove from, uh, from Caesarea, put him on a boat, him and a bunch of other prisoners, as well as the guard, the Roman guard, and they were shipping them to Rome. So Paul was like, let's go. I get to finally go to Rome. Here's the kicker. A big storm happened. Uh, matter of fact, a series of storms start happening, and Paul becomes shipwrecked. So he's shipwrecked to the island of Malta for three months. Three months he's there with all of these prisoners and all of these Roman guards. So he's shipwrecked. Three months. Storm season ends, and finally another boat comes, scoops him up, and he's in Rome. Amen. He's in Rome. Not good. Why? Because it's not good. He is on house arrest now. He is literally chained to another Roman soldier 24 hours of day. House arrest can't leave whatsoever. Whatsoever. Chained to a Roman soldier. Now, why am I telling you all of this? Let's review, shall we? He's dragged. Now, this is Paul. Just in this short little stint, he's dragged out Uh, of God's temple, he's beaten, he's nearly killed, falsely arrested, falsely imprisoned. Two years of multiple unfair and prolonged trials, shipwrecked, stranded on an island for three months, and to top it all off, while awaiting trial, he's on house arrest, being chained to his enemy, a Roman soldier, all day long. And with all of that, mind you, with all of that, He's filled with joy. And not only that, not only being filled with joy, he comforted the saints in Philippi by saying in verse 12, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, the beatings, the false imprisonment, the shipwreck, the house arrest, all of this persecution has really served to advance the gospel. The saints in Philippi, they got that letter, they're reading it, and they're like, wait a minute. How on earth is that, like, how is all of that junk being used to, like, like, like to advance the gospel? And the saints in Philippi, they're reading it, and they're like, how can somebody have so much joy during so many dark circumstances? How can you experience so much joy in the middle of so much injustice? How can you say that the series of events is a good thing? This hinders the gospel. Yeah, think about this. This is Paul. Paul, this big homie Paul. He's their leader, the OG of the Christianity movement. 
Like he's their trendsetter. He's the church planter. He's their pastor. Paul is imprisoned. I like easy to think about this, y'all. He's in jail underneath the most powerful governmental institution in the world. They're reading this, they're understanding this, and they're like, how can the gospel survive so much oppression? And not only that, how can you have so much joy in the midst of this oppression? Not only were they thinking that, y'all, but I'm reading this, and I'm thinking the same thing. Like, I try to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, woo. This is a tough situation. And God's like, okay, apply it to your life. And everybody, I'm asking y'all, apply it to y'all lives. Y'all probably reading this right now, like, oh, my goodness, like, how can he have so much joy? And how can, how can the gospel survive all of this stuff? But maybe you're thinking this, but you're putting yourself in Paul's shoes, and you're, maybe you're applying it to your life. And, 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 and y'all are like, well, I've never been falsely imprisoned before, but I know what it feels like to be falsely accused, to receive a label that I did not res- uh, that I did not deserve. Like I've never been shipwrecked on an island, but I know what loneliness feels like. I've never been chained to a Roman soldier, but I've been chained to addiction, chained to rage, chained to unforgiveness. I've been abandoned, I've been ridiculed, I've been deeply hurt. How can I find joy in these circumstances? How can all of my bad experiences be used to advance the gospel because I'm not seeing it? I understand that feeling, men and women. I get it. And to be perfectly honest with you, y'all, I've shaken my fist at God so many times, angry at the fact that he called me to have joy in the middle of my dark seasons. As a matter of fact, I will get angry at people whenever I'm going through a dark season. I'm telling them that, and they're like, you need to have joy. Shut up. I was having joy, then I had the dark season. Y'all know I'm not the only one experiencing that. But then the Bible would say, like, you know, all of this stuff will eventually work out. Like, like in Romans 8, 28, and you, we hear this verse over and over again, especially if you've been in the church for many years. Romans 8, 28, and we know, for, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. We've heard that, we've heard that over and over and over again. Let me tell you that. Whenever I was an adult, And God had me to deal, to process the fact that I was sexually abused whenever I was little. I'm going through all of that. I will hear Romans 8, 28, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, God. How on earth can you use my abuse as a good thing? How? Makes me start questioning God's goodness. Makes me start questioning if I actually got this whole Christianity thing, because God, I don't believe this scripture. Don't believe it. You're telling me as a Christian, I'm supposed to know this, that it's all gonna work out on my behalf, that that all things work together for good. If all things works together for good, that means that he's also using evil, mixing it all together, and somehow miraculously it's gonna work for good. And I'm supposed to know that, and knowing that truth is supposed to give me joy. 
that chance. I'm not seeing that for the life of Richard Marks. Maybe you're feeling that right now, church. Whatever you're going through right now, you're like, I don't have joy in this. No, that chance. No, not seeing it. Not seeing it. But Paul saw it in his life. He did. He saw God miraculously working the entire time. He, he, and and, and he's, seeing, he's seeing God working like, despite the darkness, despite this persecution. Y'all, literally people are being killed because they're doing exactly what God called them to do. He's seeing that. They're seeing it like crazy. And Paul was like, God's using this as a good thing. What? Paul saw it. So church, I don't know about y'all, but I would read scriptures like this. I would read stories like this. I'm like, I require, like God, I, I desire that strength. Give me that strength. Give me that grind. Give me that perspective. Give me that mindset. I, I know that Paul, uh, God loves Paul no greater than he loves Richard. Y'all, God loves, like, like, like Paul, no greater than he loves you. And if Paul has access to that, then that tells me that I can have access to that. So what am I missing? What are we missing? Everybody, we have to ask the question that what did Paul see? And not only asking what did Paul see, but how does it, how does it apply to us? Answer here, everybody. Now remember, Paul always wanted to visit Rome. But for some reason, God didn't want him to go, at least not that time. So Paul, being obedient to God, went elsewhere to plant churches and to encourage and challenge the saints. Then one day, he's in Jerusalem, minding his own business. And then somebody did evil threats against him. Somebody lied on him. And what happens? He's falsely arrested. You know by who? Roman guards. Check this out. Not just any Roman guards, but the imperial guards. The imperial guards, they were like the secret service of Roman guards back then. They had so much power, so much prestige. Like, 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 and so the, they, they said that the imperial guards were like these 9,000 men, incredible, highest, highly esteemed guards. And they helped make decisions to govern Rome, to, to, to spread Roman culture. These people were the who's who, the most powerful, influential people in the world. And Paul was a high-profile criminal. They, and they arrested Paul. And guess what? And they surround him 24-7. 24-7, they surround him. And Paul is looking around at this situation. He doesn't like the fact that he's falsely arrested. Don't think that he does for us. You don't think that, you know, they were like, Paul, you're arrested. He was like, oh, well, thank you. I've been praying for this forever, buddy. No, Paul did not like that, right? Paul falsely arrested. Didn't like it. And so he's sitting in the jail, and he's like, this stinks. And he's looking, he's like, is that an imperial guard? That is. That's an imperial guard. That's imperial guard. That's imperial guard. <gasps> I'm a high-profile criminal. Right? And, and then he was like, wait a minute. I've always wanted to go to Rome, and I couldn't. But maybe, just maybe, 
Rome is coming to me. Hmm. So you know what Paul starts doing? He starts preaching the gospel to these imperial guards, these powerful, prestigious guards, and something crazy starts happening. They get saved. And not just them, them and their household. Paul is pastoring these men. I think a lot of times we just look at Paul and we're like, oh, yeah, Paul, he just, he just evangelized and like, peace, I'll holler at you later, whatever. But no, no, Paul was there. And so he was pastoring these people, these people that would come to Paul with all of their hurt, all of their pains. Because think about this. They don't know Christ. They don't know anywhere else to go. They would try to go to all of these people who were morally good, but they couldn't scratch their itch. And so they're like, well, let me try Paul. And Paul is pastoring to them. And then they were getting something filled in their hearts that was never filled before, and that is Christ himself. Paul is pastoring them. This is what it looks like to treat, this is how to treat your wife. This is how to raise your kids. This is what you do when you're sick. This is what you do when you're frustrated. Oh, you have having beef with another imperial guard. This is how you radically love them. Like Paul is discipling these men. Two years he's doing that. And then, you know, again, Unfair trial after unfair trial after unfair trial. And then Paul, all of, sudden, all of a sudden, was like, all right, I'm going to appear to Caesar now. I feel like my two-year stinting's done. Now let me appeal to Caesar so I can get on the boat to go to Rome. And God goes, okay. So he, he's on the boat from Caesarea to Rome. Bam. It's storm season. Now the boat is shipwrecked. So for three more months, you know what he's doing? Not only with the imperial guard, but with all of the other uh, prisoners that's there. He's being a pastor there. And he's mobilizing his troops over and over again, telling them about Christ, telling them this is what you do that radically love, serve, encourage one another. People are getting saved. Culture is being changed like crazy. Then he finally goes back to Rome. And just so happens, he's still chained to the Roman soldiers there for 24 hours a day. Whenever he's cooking food, now he's cooking for two. Whenever he's in his Bible study, you know who, who he's sharing it with? Boom, the Roman guards. Whenever he's thinking about all of the beautiful things that happened in Philippi whenever he was there, you know who's also listening to it? The Roman guards. And one after another, after another, after another. And one is being saved over and over and over and over again. And the whole world is becoming flipped upside down because the most influential people in the world hearing about God. And you know what they're doing? Exactly what Paul is telling them to do. Share the gospel. Make disciples. And it's happening. And the world is being flipped upside down. That's why, men and women, Paul tells the saints who are struggling, who's like, no, this is a bad thing that you're in jail. It's a bad thing that you were falsely imprisoned. It's a bad thing that you were shipwrecked. It's a bad thing that you're chained to this Roman soldier. This is terrible for the gospel. That's why he says, I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has really served to advance a gospel. It's a good thing. Then in verse 13, he says, so that it has known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul understood that he was being used for something greater than his own happiness. And understanding that, that God was using him more than his, for his own happiness, that brought him great joy. 
happiness, joy. Despite the circumstances, I'm going to rejoice of what, for, for not only what God is, who God has called me to be, but what he's doing despite what the world is trying to do to me. That's why he has joy, everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe, y'all hear this, this is big. I don't believe it was in God's will for Paul to be falsely arrested and imprisoned. Oh, boy, that's a mouthful. Let me say it again. I don't believe it was in God's will for Paul to be falsely arrested and imprisoned. Why? Why do I say that? I don't believe it was God's will for Paul to be shipwrecked or chained to Roman guards. Now, how do I know this? Because it is not in God's will for God's people to make others suffer. Let me say that again. It is not in God's will for people to make other people suffer. It is not in God's will for people to put uh, injustice upon another group of people. God doesn't want that. God wants us all to live in harmony. But people either choose to do it or don't choose to do it. It is not in God's will for God's people to suffer by the hands of other people. You know who wills I believe that is? It's the devil's will. That's the enemy's will. It's the enemy's will to abuse, for us to abuse one another. He wants to make us suffer. But here's the beautiful thing about that. Hear this. It's a beautiful thing about that. If you know Jesus, no matter what weapon the devil chooses to hit you with, you will always overcome it. No, it is not God's will for one person to make another person suffer. But it is God's will for you to overcome the trial that you're in, church. And not only that, not only is in God's will for you to be an overcomer, but God would use that same weapon that was meant to destroy you, and it would be used for your benefit, for his benefit. Church, this is a promise from God, from God, a promise. God would use you to encourage the saints even in the midst of your trial, no matter how dark it is. Think about this. Verse 14 says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Back then, there was this guy named Nero. Nero did some incredibly horrific things to Christians to persecute them, to tell everybody, don't you dare follow Christ or this will happen. He would publicly execute people. As a matter of fact, he burned a part of Rome that he knew the Christians were in just to send a message, if you are following Jesus, I will burn you to the ground. So you know what the Christians did? They cowered in fear. But then they saw big homie Paul like, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'd be in prison, so what? Yeah, I was shipwrecked, so what? Yeah, I was beaten, so what? Yeah, I can be killed, so what? I'm advancing the gospel, and that brings me joy. And they saw big homie Paul, and they're like, well, me too. And they were that much more bold to speak, to, to preach the gospel. Y'all, God would use you despite what has happened to you to declare the excellencies of God 
and the world will be flipped upside down because of what you've done to honor God. God would use you to flip the world upside down. Don't think for a second that he won't. I end with this. For so long, I've wrestled with God asking him, why on earth would you allow certain things happen to other people? Let me make it personal. Why on earth would you allow certain things to happen to me? I will go to God. I'm like, God, you could have snapped your fingers and I, you could have prevented all of this from happening. You don't think like whenever I was processing my abuse, I didn't go to God. I'm like, God, if you're all powerful, couldn't, couldn't you just snap your fingers and I wouldn't have to experience that? Why didn't you? Why? It, tell you the truth, I believe it's a question that all saints in here, we need to have that fight with God. Let me say that again. That's a fight with God we need to have. God, if you're this good God, why didn't you snap your fingers and prevent this from happening? Why? Shook my fist at God. You could have snapped your fingers and I would have been all right. I brought that to God many times. And I understand that the consequences of sin, it brings death and destruction and heartache to the world. The reason what makes heaven so beautiful not only because the presence of God, the unfiltered, the complete presence of God, it's without sin, without darkness, without hurting. Everything is perfect there. The consequences of sin is the reason why we struggle so much with so many things. And I'm like, God, I understand that, but come on, God. I'm here. Come on, tell me something. I believe God is telling me, like, maybe, Richard, you got the wrong perspective. Yes, I could have snapped my fingers and could have prevented every bad thing that's ever happened to you. But I snapped my other finger. And everything that was ever created to crush you, the abandonment, the abuse, the loneliness, the racism, the insecurity, the addiction, the persecution, everything that was fashioned to destroy you. I snapped my fingers and made you an overcomer over all of it. Church, change your perspective. Why would God allow certain things to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I have an idea because that's the consequences of sin. I get that, but I'm like, God, I don't get that. And that's something I'm not going to get for the rest of my life. But one thing I know 100%, there's not a single thing on this earth that can knock me down if I have Jesus. And so that means that I can get through everything. Abuse, I can get through it. Racism, I can get through it. Injustice, I can get through it. Heartache, I can get through it. Why? It's because God lives directly inside of me. Church, we have forgotten how resilient we are. We've forgotten how strong we are. Remember who you are and what you can withstand, which is everything. And that knowledge should give us so much joy, so much joy.
And the world is going to look at us and like, how do you, why are you so happy? Why are you so resilient? How did you not get knocked over? And you can say, it's because God lives directly inside of me. And then the people, these imperial guards, like, I want that. I want that. And there you offer Christ to them. And their world is flipped upside down. That's church. That's how we love, radically love, serve, and encourage in every season. Isaiah 54, 17 says this, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Y'all hear this? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's our heritage. That's huge. Heidi just got back from Africa and... And, and she was at a restaurant, and the people were singing happy birthday to another person, right? It was a group of these restaurant workers singing happy birthday, but it wasn't like our happy birthday. They were singing it in their native, well, they speak English, but they were speaking it, you know, in, 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 their, in their ways, you know. And I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm just hearing all the different rhythms and the songs and the different harmonies that they're doing, and I'm watching this happy birthday video that Heidi just randomly sent to me and I start crying and I'm like God why am I so emotional and God was like because that's your heritage you know you long to go just to see where you're from and I begin to cry and as much as I can't wait to go and visit Africa to see where my ancestors were from I know where I am from right now and that should be I should be I can experience this now. My heritage is an overcomer. My heritage is so much strength, so much grind, so much resilience. Y'all, that is your heritage. And we continue that for years and years and years until Christ looks at us and say, good job. Well done, servants. Well done. That's what we get to pass on to our kids. That's what we get to pass in our communities. That's what we get to pass on to our schools, to our jobs, to our friends. Let's get to getting everybody. Amen. Oh, my goodness. So if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, this is your heritage too. You have a gift to experience Jesus forever. Oh, man, but I don't know about that. I got to clean myself up. He does the cleaning. All you have to do is accept. That's it. That's it. God, just come into my heart. I don't know what words to say. I don't know the things to do. Give your life to Christ, everybody. Give your life to Christ. All you have to do is just ask him, and he's there with you. He'll clean you up. I cuss all the time. He'll clean up that dirty mouth. I'm in a tough relationship right now. He'll clean up that bad relationship. I see I got some cussers there. <laughs> all you have to do, you don't have to do this fancy prayer. You don't have to say this amazing long scripture. All you have to do in your heart, you can't even, you, you probably you don't even, probably ain't even got the right words to say. You ain't got to say nothing. Just believe. Like, okay, God, come into my heart, and that's all he needs. 
All he needs is your wanting to. He'll take care of everything else. Then, not only will you have that amazing relationship with God, and he will turn you into someone that will blow your mind. And goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days here on earth. And then, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. For those who do know Jesus in here, Get on your horse and giddy up. We got to show the world how strong we are. And despite what season we're in, no matter how strong the darkness is, we're a light. Go be the light of the world. Amen? I love y'all, but it doesn't compare to how much God loves you. Remember that and use that love to do incredible things for him. We're the church that radically loves, serves Y'all take care. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about New Beginnings Fellowship, connect with us or give, visit nbfhollister.org. Have a great week. And remember, we are the church who radically loves, serves, and encourages.